Take your Bibles, if you will, and open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And um, uh, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. These, uh, the words of institution for the Lord's Supper are found, of course, in the Gospels, but the one place in the epistles that they are found is in the first letter of Paul to the Corinthian church. Um, the, the words begin in verse 23, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read that. I'm gonna jump in at verse 27 so that we can focus simply on verse, those three verses. So you follow as I read, beginning at verse 27 from 1 Corinthians 11. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. The grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that endures forever. I think that most of you know that I really don't like to preach on Sundays where we are observing the Lord's Supper. I, I like to limit my role to, um, to that of a a prompter, um, um, a reminder, that is one who reminds you just, just enough so that you can prepare yourself for the sacrament. The reason that I don't like to preach on these Sundays is because I, I never want you to ever get the notion, the idea, that the Lord's Supper is some kind of add-on. You know, something that we, that we tack on to the end of the worship service. You know, we leave uh, a quick ten minutes for it at the end so that we can get it, get it done. And so that we can have this religious ritual thing, whatever it is, and we can observe it ritualistically. Um, you know, it, this, this thing is just one of those little those little Christian ditties that uh, that they, they do, and you know, the, in my church, and and um, for me, uh, you know, the the meaning of it was lost. I I'd forgotten years ago. <laughs> um, oh, you know, I used to. I remember as a kid, I really, I really enjoyed it because at least on those Sundays I got to eat something. But I mean, you know, today I I just do it. I just go through the motions. Now, guys, I, I am not saying that ritual or liturgy are bad. They only, they only become bad when they become an end in of themselves. There is a, um, a large branch of Christendom that has a position concerning this sacrament 
And it's summarized in a Latin phrase. The Latin phrase is ex opera operato. <laughs> I know you've heard that one before. Ex opera operato. And um, the, what it means is that the sacraments contain the grace that is symbolized. And that grace is always conferred on every receiver. That's what ex operato means. So, with that in mind, just, just do it, and you automatically get all the little goodies that you're supposed to get, whatever they are. <laughs> well, guys, um, if nothing else, the text that I just read you, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. if nothing else, it ought to say, Not so fast. The very fact, look at verse 27. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body. The very fact that it is possible to eat and drink in an unworthy manner, that ought to tell us something. It, it, um, that, that one verse ought to be enough to make Christians very cautious about how we participate in this sacrament. Look at it, guys. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty. That ought, that ought to slow us down, at least. You see, the point is, guys, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to participate in this sacrament. And um, Paul, in verse 28, is inviting us to, uh, to initiate a, an investigation uh, of, of our own souls. He says, let a person examine himself. Before he participates. What I want to do real quickly um, is just sketch out for you the wrong way. And then I want to try and sketch out the right way. Now, guys, really, I'm just going to give you a kind of a brief synopsis. But I'm sure there's other things that could be added to what I'm saying. But for the sake of the morning, what I want to do is just... I think verse 27 suggests clearly that there's a right way and a wrong way. And then he says, okay, so examine yourself before you you participate in this. Examine yourself. Now, um, the the implication, I think, is quite clear that there's a right and wrong way. What I want to do is sketch out the wrong way and then sketch out the right way. And then we're done. And then we'll meet you there. Quickly or uh, briefly. A a sketch of wrong participation would involve, first of all, participating as a non-Christian. Guys, to the the not yet redeemed, first of all, let me say how delighted we are that you're here. Keep coming. Keep asking. Keep searching. Keep reading. Keep thinking through who you are and where you stand. But, But let me say... Until such time Jesus becomes yours, this is not something that you should do. 
this is a family meal. And um, you're not yet a part of the family. I hope that you'll become a part of the family very soon. And what that simply means is that you will embrace this Savior as your own Savior, like so many others in this room. But wrong participation, wrongful participation would be to participate as a non-Christian. Just keep watching. Keep asking. Secondly, wrong participation would involve eating or drinking these things with no regard to what they symbolize and what they represent. You just do it mindlessly. And you know, you're, you're, you're sipping on the stuff and you're thinking, I wonder if this is Welch's or is this ocean spray? You know, and where did they get that bread anyway? Guys, that would be wrongful. To not rightly discern these elements. They're, they're not, they're only common elements. But they're pointing to a, a significant reality. And so, to not have any idea what this is about would be, um, would be harmful to yourself. And then, the third part of the sketch of a wrongful participation is that you would come holding on to some sin determined not to give it up. That is, we, we say that we want to celebrate Christ's death while at the very same time we're holding on to something that made that death necessary. Um, and I don't mishear me. I, I'm not suggesting that you need to arrive at some kind of sinful perfection or sinless perfection before you ever participate. We'll never get there if that's what we wait for. But, but sin has got to be a very clear reality, hated by us, which I'll talk about in just a second. But, guys, sin has got to be a grief to us as we come to this table. Those are just three, I'm sure we could add a whole lot of others, but those are just three ways or three things that would characterize a wrongful participation. Doing it as a non-Christian, not, not esteeming or regarding in any way that what these symbols represent and coming with, with sin clutched to my breast, refusing to give it up. Now, let me tell you the right way, or at least... A sketch of the right way, and it's a brief one. But if you'll just take those three things and turn them around, because then you'll get the right way, or the, a description of the right way. First of all, gang, we, we participate in this sacrament by faith. We come, and, and in one sense, guys, we get saved all over again. Because we come and we exercise the same faith that we exercise when we first received Christ. We come and lay, we stake a claim, we lay hold of the finished work of Jesus Christ for us. And we think through again the, the kindnesses of God who found a way to save people like us, who so desperately need a Savior. And so we think through again that saving event whereby I laid hold of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The, the other part of the sketch of participating rightly is to come with a reflection of sin on the tip of our tongues 
We come recognizing the great cost that Jesus Christ paid to redeem us from our sin. We, we renew our hatred of our sin and our, our dependence upon Christ. Guys, sin required a broken body and, and shed blood. And that body was not broken by a car accident. The blood was not shared because someone mishandled a kitchen knife. No, no. We crucified it. We made that death necessary. It was not an accident. It was the way that God found to make a payment for our sin. And then finally, we come having remembered our sin and the necessity of his death. And in response to that, we give once again voice to thanksgiving. I re-thank him for what he's done for me. I, I, I thank him all over again for living the life that I should have lived. And then dying the death that I should have died. Both of those I need. I need his life. I need his death. Those things, those things make me very glad and thankful. As I um, would also say that in the midst of remembering your sin, remember the promise that he who confesses his sin, God is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness comes on the heels of confession and laying hold of Christ all over again. If you look at verse 29 as I quit, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Guys, this thing may have lost its meaning for us. We may come casually. But heaven never views it that way. Heaven never takes this lightly. And neither must we. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you will um, prepare your people, that they might find great joy in these reminders, that as we uh, think through all over again the great value of Jesus Christ for sinners, that this might be our delight, that there is a remedy, that we are not left to our own devices, but there is a God-provided remedy for our sin. And in that, we celebrate. Meet us at this table, O God, and remind us of the great redemptive work of Jesus Christ for his people. We pray, of course, in his name.